When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back to Rick Shields Golf Show Podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Rick Shields. I'm here with producer Guy, episode number 81. Um, I feel a bit knackered today, Guy, so you're going to you're gonna have to carry this one a little bit today, if you don't mind. Standard. Uh, <laughs> I stayed up and watched the US Open. Um, I feel like my fingers are hurting from all the tweeting I did yesterday, mm. which we need to cover. And I, yeah, I'm just a bit not quite with it. So I've got a coffee. Hopefully I, I, I kind of perk up and get going, but hopefully it's going to be a good episode. You've got a coffee. I've got a monster. There are probably loads of comments on the YouTube video, people saying you shouldn't be drinking that stuff, but I've got a mild addiction. Sugar-free, one can a day. It's not great, that. I must but... admit, though, Claire sent me a message, truth be told, this weekend. Where, where was I? Anyway, she said, have you seen this article? And a man in his 30s um, unfortunately lost his life by drinking too much energy drinks. Wow. So be careful, anybody out there. I know it's not too many. Well, that's the, that's, the, that's the thing, though, isn't it, where it's like that becomes news, but how many people lose a life from alcohol or from smoking? Hundreds. So I don't really drink very much alcohol. Anyway, on a, on a brighter note, well, before we get on to US Open, which is obviously a massive story, you watch loads of it, I watch very little, but I still know roughly what went on, obviously. We've got a new jingle, and we've got a new cover art on the podcast, which has got so far gone down mixed. But I think partly that is because people don't like change, which is fair enough. But if you've not noticed, hopefully when you have a look on the podcast and you listen to it on the audio, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Spotify, etc., a little bit of a different tweak. I was out the office, out the studio for half a day, and mm-hmm. I come back, there's a new jingle, a new logo, that the whole the whole thing's changed, but I really like it. Well, all it was, I was looking on Apple Podcasts, and pretty much every single podcast, certainly in the sport category, the actual little album cover, the little bit of art, we had the RS logo with the headphones on, which has gone got a bit of a... People know that now, don't they? Yeah. It's got, a, it's got a, what's the word I'm looking for? Established brand, if you like. People know it's the podcast logo. And it may be coming on some merch very soon. Maybe. It is. Um, <laughs> and, in fact, actually really looking forward to that because I need a new put a head cover. Okay. That's all I'm going to say. Oh. Um, Teaser. But, but we didn't have any actual font on there, any, any writing. So, obviously, a lot of people, I think you phone this bracket, just scroll on the phone quite quickly, and they want instant, like... You, um, you need to know it's it's who it is straight away, don't Exactly. You? So now it's literally the same logo. I think we're doing this a lot of um, really going over the top. This is just a logo. But basically it's the same logo, and underneath it says the Rick Shields Golf Show. It looks pretty clean. It does. Um, and a new jingle. The jingle's a bit different, isn't it? I like it. I like it. It's a bit it. more upbeat, a little bit more jolly, um, and, and it's a change. So people listening, get used to it, and in a few episodes you, will, you won't even remember what the old jingle was. That old trash. That old Christmas song. But we, um, 
somebody said somebody put a comment on the Facebook group saying if it's not broke, don't fix it. Now I get that to some degree, but we're not trying to fix it. We're just trying to give it a little bit of a spruce. I, I think elevate is a good word for this. Nice. An elevate. It's not a change. It's not a dramatic shift in direction. It's an elevation to what is already the number one podcast in golf, certainly here in the UK. <laughs> we'll try and get up that charts in the US. Um, where, where should we start with this? I, I want to. We'll come on to the US Open, obviously, in a second, yes. because. That's, the, for me, the second, well, the third best major, actually, not the second. The, the standard order, Open, Masters, US Open, USPGA. Do you yeah. agree? You, you're on the fence with that, I, I can, you? I can, when it's the Masters week, I can't imagine loving the Open more. When it's the Open week, I can't imagine loving the Masters more. So yeah. I think it's it's a bit time-sensitive for me. I, can, what, I love then. them both as equal. It's almost like having a favourite child. I don't have a favourite child. Do you always do? I do have a favourite child. It just changes child. week to week. Um, well, all right, then, I've got one for you. The Open at St. Andrews versus the Masters. The Open at St. Andrews. Yeah, I think that's the absolute pinnacle, yeah. isn't it? But, yeah. Royal St. George's this year, I'm excited about it because it's the Open, it's got crowds again, hopefully going to be there. Um, I hear very good things about Royal St. George's, even though I don't know about it yeah. loads. It ranks so high in like the top charts in the UK and everything. Um, but like I say, next year at the Open, now certainly because we played it, mm. and played it in reverse, luckily enough, I think next time the Open, 150th at... Uh, St Andrews next year, that's going to be a big, big, big one. Yes, I agree. I think I don't feel that excited for St Andrews, uh, St George's just yet because I don't really know the course. But I'm going to do a little bit of research. Look at some of the. Do you know any of the iconic holes? Is there any good par threes or anything there that we need to know about? I'd, uh, I'd be lying if I said I know a lot about it. I'd, I know it's tough. I know it's demanding. I know it's right next door to Prince's, which I have been to. So I kind of know the area. Um, I just don't know a lot about Royal St George's. It'd be quite nice. And I don't know, we might be on the on the time a little bit here, potentially to get down there before the Open, just try and figure it out. So I, think, I think when you know a golf course, it's better for the for the experience, in, in my from what I found. When you're watching when, it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Right. And it's probably why I love the Masters so much, because even though I've never played there, never been fortunate to play there yet, that's not a teaser for anything to come. That's just... Break <laughs> 75 at Augusta. Me <laughs> just, spice coffee. I get so excited about playing Augusta. <laughs> Me just predicting the future. Um... I know the hole so well over all the years of watching. I feel like I know it. Where, like I say, when it goes to a, a Royal St George's or um, I'm trying to think of any other golf courses on the roster that that I don't know. I probably know most of them now. Maybe maybe somewhere like a Troon I don't know really well. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Canoes. I don't go through them all, but I know most of them pretty well. Anyway, right, okay. Let me just. So today we're recording. This is out Tuesday. We're recording this on Monday morning. It's currently ten thirty-two a.m. Yesterday was Sunday. Yes. It was Father's Day. It was. And um, I got a toasty maker. A toasty maker, nice. One of the best things ever been bought for me for Father's Day. Cheese and ham. Cheese. So we had two yesterday. We had like a mid-morning one, which was cheese and ham. And then we had a mid-afternoon one, which was like tuna and cheese, like a tuna melt. Nice. It was a diet pause yesterday. Yeah, just yesterday, because it's Father's Back Day. today. Correct. Perfect. Um, so before I went out, I went out for a meal with my dad yesterday for Father's Day. Before that... Um, went to the gym, didn't do any exercise, sat, the out, sat outside the outdoor pool, just got a few rays. Yes. And then I came home, had a bit of a chill before going out for tea. Um, and weird, I'm one of them people, I use Twitter quite a bit, not loads, but a little bit. But I, I always like, I use it on the browser and I always log out. So that it's just less, I don't want to go on it all the time because Twitter's one of them apps you can be on, you can be scrolling aimlessly for too long. With me, so far. Twi- yeah. So I Twitter like, I'm not the biggest fan of. Well... I just thought yesterday, before I got ready, I thought, I wonder if uh, Rick's tweeted much this weekend. I'll have a look what he's put on. <laughs> so I searched on, on Google, Rick Shields Golf Twitter. 
found it very easily. Go and give him a follow if you're not already. Thank you. And you'd have a meltdown, Rick. <laughs> I don't know what. I'm very new text. Is everything all right? What uh, was your meltdown? Explain to listeners why you had a Twitter meltdown this weekend. Shit went down, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Right, I'm going to set the scene. So, as you mentioned a minute ago, Twitter isn't my favourite platform in the world. It is quite volatile, quite um, unpredictable. And it's everything you love, like, really, though. I feel like every <laughs> single voice on Twitter you hear, where Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, you don't hear every voice, every comment, because there's, there's so many. And the way that the, the platforms are set up, you can kind of pick and choose what you read. Twitter's not like that, is it? No. So I was flicking through Twitter, checking up on the golf. I'd watched a lot of the golf. Truth be told, I hadn't watched much on... Th- uh, maybe I did watch a bit on Thursday, actually, just to get the lie of the golf course. I did Thursday because we did the break 75 on Friday, and I was talking about it. For me, I wasn't that excited about the US Open for a number of reasons. Obviously, the event. I, I couldn't get really behind any particular players for this week for whatever reason. The golf course didn't really excite me that much. I could see how testing it was going to be. I just didn't feel like there was anything. That's one big reason you're forgetting. On uh, Friday, you became a massive football fan for oh, an hour. For, for, and that was a bloody waste of time. Yeah, That was 90 minutes of my life. I'm never getting back. You go, come on, the white men. Come on, go the on, whites. Go on, Marcus <laughs> Sterling. <laughs> um, no, no, I did. I watched the football and that was, that was more disappointing than the Thursday golf, to be honest. So... So yeah, anyway, through the through the weekend, I wasn't that bothered. I was flicking through it. I watched quite a bit on Saturday because it started to get a bit heated up. I started to see a bit of movement on the leaderboard and the leaderboard was looking pretty stacked. Not the top of the leaderboard. That was quite a lot of kind of names that I felt might have just dropped off eventually. But just underneath that layer, it was bubbling like Rory, Brooks, Bryson, uh, Louis Oostenhazen, uh, I'm trying to think, John Rahm, yeah. obviously. And <laughs> I, I'm looking at that leaderboard going, oh, oh, this could be good tomorrow night. So Sunday, it's a California tee-off, so it's much, much later for us in the evening. So I do hate that. Yeah, I do. It's hard to watch. So kind of watch on my phone. Oh, no, sorry. I need to come back early then, don't I? So Sunday afternoon, I'm sat around looking at Twitter thinking – I wonder what people are talking about in the golf world. What are, what are people looking at? And I stumbled across a video, which I hadn't seen footage of live when it happened on Saturday, I believe. Mm-hmm. And it was a clip of Bryson DeChambeau, one of the best players in the world, respected icon, superstar, role model yeah. to many people watching, old, young, male, female. He is a role model, whether he likes it or not. Doing something that I didn't, agree with and he's not the only one and this isn't anything new but he did something that kind of i watched and i was like i need to say something about this i'm not happy about this i feel like something needs well, to if be if said gonna listen to anyone it's gonna be to you well, so exactly exactly <laughs> ricky two fists <laughs> ricard he's gonna listen to me so he to set the scene i can't remember which kind of hole it was around about nine where there's there's or was it i can't remember what hole it was anyway it's by the coastline you can't miss left left is the ocean Coastal, it's dead. And on the right hand side, you've got spectators, you've got crowds, and you've got you've got the world. I think in the clip it said you've got from here to Atlanta to the right, because you really have the rest of the USA is to the right. Bryson, knowingly, 
hits it down the right-hand side. He smashes one, big long drive, sweeps up his tee, sticks it in his pocket, and everyone's thinking, that's down the middle of the fairway. I don't know what the problem is so far, Rick. Like you, look at, you look at that shot and think, he has absolutely striped that. There's no reason for any any mm-hmm. alarm. There's no worries. There's no anything. That That is going to... The next clip I'm going to see on this video is the ball bounding down the fairway. 500 yards down the fairway. Exactly. This ball is going to be bounding and bouncing and, and he's going to have a wedge left into his par five. Yeah. Okay. Unfortunately, that's not what I saw. Ah. What I did see was the ball, a missile. <laughs> okay. Give me a rough estimation of ball speed. Well, it come, he's hitting it at the moment, coming off the club face at 200 miles per hour. <laughs> now, it does slow down, obviously, from that point. Yeah. So once it lands, it's not travelling at 200 miles per hour, thankfully. But it's it's travelling fast. I actually don't know the speed of a ball when it lands. Well, depend. yeah. 50, like, 60 miles per hour, yeah, 70 no miles idea. per hour. So this missile, this hard... Let's call it 100 miles an hour for the story's sake. Let, let's call it that. <laughs> and it's on fire. Yeah, of course. So, so this golf ball, then lands in and amongst a crowd of spectators. Wow. Unwilling, not not having a clue that, that their life in that split moment is in jeopardy. Yeah, but surely you shouted four to warn them, Rick. Well, that's where the story does get a little bit twisted, guy. Oh, okay. <laughs> because that's not what, what took place. So there was no shout, there was no warning, there was no marshalling. Those spectators had no idea that golf ball was going to land near there feet, their ankles, their heads, their children, they're sitting there, might be having a little drink, chilling out, watching the golf, thinking, this is lovely, I'm here at Tory Pines, This, I'm enjoying my day. Next thing, I'm trying to get this for the kind of sound. I'll do it really hard, punch his fist really hard, let's see how, come on, let's see how, right, this everyone now, Rick's going to punch his hand, let's see how well, hard no, he can do it. No, I don't want to hurt myself. No, yeah, of course, you know I mean? yeah, standard. But like, if that ball was going to come in, I feel okay. like I want to get a ball and smack it against your microphone, right? Do a clap if you want. It hurts. Okay. So that ball landed into the crowd, bounced. We're not going to have a sound down, effect right? then, no. No, it, it would have hurt if it landed somewhere, okay. right? It was like a thud in the ground, definitely. Luckily, very luckily, it didn't hit anyone, okay? Yeah. It bounced through and it landed into a position that the commentators, that a lot of people were saying, that's, that's perfect. Like, that's in a good spot. It's, the rough has been trampled down. Was, He's got yeah. a good line, line into the flag. He's avoided the trouble. So was he aiming there then, do you think, or allowing his miss to go that direction? A, a million percent. Yeah. A million percent, because it's, uh, and apparently a lot of players were hitting it over that right-hand side, but this particular, and, and I, I'm going to cl- kind of confirm about what I think about Bryson in a minute, because that, that's got a little bit twisted in this translation. This golf ball finished in an ideal position, he hit his second shot into the green, or whatever it may be, I didn't see the rest of the clip from there. But for me, that was a perfect time where that ball was, was definitely heading towards people. People's mm. lives were in danger. It's been an age-old tradition in golf that a simple four-letter word is shouted, okay, yes. as a warning. Four. F-O-R-E. Mm. I typed that word a lot yesterday. <laughs> that is the most simple thing to do as a golfer, the most courteous thing, the, the right thing for etiquette, everything to shout for at the top of your frigging voice to warn people the golf ball is coming your way, okay? It goes back hundreds of years. It goes back, the first mention of the term for in the British Golf Museum is from 1881, so it's at least, least, what's that, a couple hundred years old nearly. So this ain't new, okay? And I believe it's about, it was um, 
there's two translations on it. One, it was to warn, back in the day, they used to have four caddies. Yeah. So they have caddies down the fairway um, to help look for your golf ball, speed up play, whatever it may be. And basically you'd shout four as a shorter version of four caddy to watch where your golf ball went. Yeah. That's one of the things. Another thing as well is it was apparently an abbreviation of before because the golf ball is going to be coming before you. So be, be careful or like a warning one. of whatever it may be. So it's not new. Many, many players shout it. I've shouted it hundreds of times in my golfing life. Yes. As of probably you have, as yes. of probably most people listening have. I like a, a loud shout for. Yeah, and it's and like I say, it's not new. On Twitter yesterday, I what also was your did, first tweet. Then how did so? Well, obviously, I also did a poll. I want to come to this first because I think this is really important. Even though this was out of order, I did a poll. Do you shout for if your golf ball is heading towards people? Okay, mm-hmm. seven and a half thousand people voted in four hours. It, it, it alarms me that it's not 100% yes. The option is yes or no, okay? Yes got 97%. Yeah. No got 3%. That okay? could be people just doing it for the yeah. laugh, though. I, I must admit, a couple of people said I've got fat thumbs and pressed no by accident instead <laughs> of the right. But an overwhelming percentage of people are shouting for, are doing the right thing, okay? And if you shout, if you heard for, you would cover your head, duck, knowing that a golf ball is coming your way. Yeah. Okay? Gives you a chance to protect yourself. Protect your head, protect children that are with you. A chance of just being able to cover your your vital areas, temples, back of head, whatever it may be, so you don't get absolutely battered by a golf ball. So I, I completely agree with you. And I think I've said in one of the podcasts recently about it, how it's ridiculous to not shout for. Well, I saw obviously some of the comments from people and just literally to play devil's advocate. Could there be an argument or a discussion to say that when you're on the golf course and playing, obviously people do shout for for other players. But when you go to tournament as a spectator, it's your responsibility to also be aware of flying golf balls, and 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 there's a risk that you could get hit. And that doesn't mean they shouldn't shout for. But but I saw a lot of people saying that. I don't really know. There, there is a risk getting hit. Obviously, you're at a golf event, and I think people are kind of somewhat of an understanding of that. And I believe on tickets it does say underneath yeah. that there's a responsibility. You know, you might get hit. Um, and, and I get that. Either. Like that, that's golf. You know, that mm-hmm. unfortunately does happen, regardless of warning shouts, regardless of whatever it is. People will get hit. Famously, Brooks Kepka hit a, a woman at the Ryder Cup, yeah. um, took her eye out, nearly killed her. He did shout for, and that he she still got hit. And so you can't completely prevent it, but it, at least as a player, you've covered your own back there. Yeah, you'd feel terrible still if you were Brooks Kepka, but equally. You've hit a bad shot. The spectators are there. It's their own risk. And you've shouted for. Yeah. You kind of feel like, oh, I've done everything I could you've do. Covered your back, okay. Yeah. And and I don't think for one second he would have intentionally hit it towards people. No. Not at that time, because it didn't give him any advantage. So my first um, tweet was, shout for FFS. Someone is going to get very badly hurt soon if this continues. And I did tag him in. I, I tagged Bryson DeChambeau in. Not that he's going to reply to me, but can you explain why you didn't shout for? Is that what you said? Or can you explain why you didn't at Bryson DeChambeau? So that was a way of me kind of... I didn't want to be accused of, oh, you, why don't you just tag him in and ask him? Well, I did. I bet he's seen that tweet, you know. It's yeah, had 2.8 thousand likes and it's been retweeted 217 times. So then I continued to go on to... the And, the, and again, the response was really really alarming um for me i i put a subtweet under this this is also setting a terrible example to young golfers around the world who either 
idolize these superstars they have a responsibility to set the benchmark and that that for me is a really important thing because you see it in football again jokingly i watched the football friday and you're seeing the players not as bad anymore i don't feel like it's as bad in football you might disagree where players dive and they roll over 10 times and they spit on the ground and i remember my, my wife we were watching at the time she went when i because she was a teacher she went when i was teaching that's what kids do now they spit yeah. when they're playing football they roll around they try and get they try and get penalties given to them. They're arguing with the referee because they're seeing their superstars do it. You know, they're, mm. these young kids watching football are seeing the best players in the world, footballers, spit, swear, disrespect the, the referee, whatever it may be. And it, and it filters down into junior mm. football. Things like this, players not shouting for, for me, is, is the setting such a bad example to junior golfers watching because it will filter down. There'll be junior golfers out there going, why should I shout for? Yeah, Bryson doesn't, and others, and mm. others, which I'll come on to in a minute. So then I go on to the fact that golf balls can kill because they can. There's evidence of that. Golf balls have killed. People started tweeting me evidence of Matt Wolf not shouting for. So I also tagged a, a video with Matt Wolf not shouting for, and again he should have done. Sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. Um, I said a, a good example of uh, Phil Mickelson shouting for, and again he's not done it all the time. He's not done it forever, but he did in the situation that a video I've got of, um, and then. For me, it was the the alarming responses I was getting off people that were giving players excuses for not doing the most simple thing of shouting for. Question for you. I don't know. I actually don't know the answer to this. Did Bryson's caddy shout for? Nobody shouted for in that in that instance right there. And and I think this is where because a lot of people were saying, well, around a player. And again, I've been to many tournaments. You, there is a lot of people there. There's marshals, mm. there's spectators, there's scoreboard carriers, there's referees, there's caddies, there's players, right? I wouldn't expect any other pl- any other person in that set situation to to maybe start the four. I solely put it on the player's responsibility, really? unless it's unless it's like let's say for example that golf ball mid-flight took a turn, the wind hit it off the ocean. Okay, Bryson picked up his tee, walking away, and then somebody still watching the golf ball suddenly goes, "Oh crap!" There's somebody in danger here, and shouts on Bryson's behalf. But I, I still think it's the player's responsibility to start the shout off personally. Again, I do agree with you, and I'm just trying to find different angles to look at. But you wouldn't expect Bryson to replace his own divot, would you, or to rake his own bunker? Uh, so <laughs> could it be argued that he's paying the caddy, and it should be their job? If that's what it is, that's what I don't, it is. I'm not, I don't know. I'm just saying. I, I, I think there's. I found it as well where I, I don't expect a fan to shout it or a marshal because, again, I, I feel like they could... The player hitting the golf ball has the knowledge, the ability to know, I've hit that golf ball at said speed, mm-hmm. at said distance, that far offline. I know where those people are stood. I know my ball's going to land somewhere near there. That, that's on the. I think that's more on the player than anyone else. Because maybe the caddy, because like I say, but I still, I don't think you should pass the blame in this no. situation. I think if you're going to do it, and and I, I very very much respect players who do it on behalf of other players. I think that's really good because I, I think there was a clip where Matt Wolf hit it into the crowd. Again, don't quote me on exactly this, but Louis Oosnehuizen shouted because mm. Matt didn't. Awesome, love seeing that because again. Give people warnings. The next thing I really, really disagree with is this fact that people can't hear you when you're 350 yards down the fairway. That, again, doesn't matter. Even if you do or you don't, 
shout it, cover your own back. Because again, if, if you're a player shouting it, and if you're at a tournament like this, the caddy shout, the marshal shout, the the other players... You can't hear, can't you? You could hear somebody. And I get the, the ocean, but that's still no excuse. Like I don't think that is an excuse to be able to not shout it. But going back to this kind of idea, people were then going on that I'm... One being against Americans. That was one thing that I couldn't believe I was reading. People saying I'm against Americans, which I will tell you now, I am not against Americans by one bit. The two examples that I showed you of the bad ones were Americans. The example of a good one was an American. Mm -hmm. It's just the footage I could find. So I'm definitely not against that. And most of the time, I'm not against Bryson. Like, I actually quite like what he's doing to the game. I know we've talked about him quite a bit on the podcast, about the equipment he's using, his golf swing, his ability to do what he's doing with, with his golf game. A lot of that I really respect, and, and I respect the grind. And I respect what he's he's looking at a situation and going, I can do this differently, I can do this better, and it can help me become a, a more prof- proficient golfer. Mm. Huge respect for that. But don't forget that you are on TV. You are being watched by hundreds of thousands of people around the world. Do the honourable thing, the simple thing. If you know it's going to go towards crowd, and I honestly still believe that he hit it there on purpose as well, which is also a big thing, shout for. I then watched yesterday. Mm-hmm. Several times he did it again yesterday. Not not one regard for shouting for. There was one really bad instance on 14. He was in a bunker short of the green. Thinned it through the back. This Now, the excuse of... The excuse of um, not being able to shout here for doesn't yeah, exist. Too close. You're 50, to good, 50 yeah. yards away. There, there was there was zero excuse to shout it, and it clattered into the crowd. I think a few people did shout it, clattered into the crowd and whatever. And I was like, that was so that was simple. That was a simple. You've hit a yeah. bad golf shot. I'm not saying that you don't hit bad shots. Everyone hits bad shots, and it's not nice. It goes in the crowd. Um, the the other thing I found really really worrying what I heard people saying on Twitter as well is this idea yeah they're aiming for for the crowd so they can get a bounce back into the fairways <laughs> are you actually having a laugh like if I don't that's, think that's the, the case, case I don't think that's true but also like that's why they're not shouting for yeah but because think how accurate it'd have to be to hit the crowd yeah. versus hitting the fairways that's not that's nonsense but also in in this idea that if you're going to shout for at least it gives the the spectators a chance to cover their head which is the important thing. If it hits their back and bounces onto the fairway, it still works, still effective. If it hits the head, kills the person, bounces back on the fairway. I would be interested to know, because again, I, I'm the same as you. I think they should shout for It's ridiculous. I think it almost looks cool if they shout for it loud. It's like, yeah, I've hit a bad shot. Yeah. I'm going to own and it. And ideally a direction, and yeah. ideally a, a right but, or a left. And again, this isn't justifying it at all, but I wonder, is there actually a reason why they don't? Because I can't work out. They would have grown up playing golf. Matt it, Wolf's only, what, 21 or some 20, you know, early 20s. Yeah. Bryson's mid-20s. They're not... You know, they've been playing golf as an amateur not that long ago, and, and it's a done thing. And this is why it? I tagged them. It's why I tagged them in stuff. This is why. See I, what the actual answer give is. Give me a, yeah, if there's an answer. If the tour say don't shout it, we don't want to set panic up or whatever it may be. It doesn't look good. Doesn't look good on TV if you're shouting yeah. for. Give me a, give me a valid reason. And if it was across the board, if no player shouted it, okay. That's yeah. something that the tour have decided to do. I don't agree with it, but that, whatever it may be. But that's not the case. And you can see players, other players are getting frustrated with players that don't shout for. Yeah. Like John Rahm, who won yesterday, will definitely come on to because he deserves more airtime on this podcast than, than the players who are not shouting for. On 18, uh, uh, not 18, whatever hole it was yesterday, 17 or 16, he blasted it miles right. Big, loud, very obvious, shouted for, gave chance to uh, spectators to cover their heads. And, and not get hit. 
Last two things I want to talk about. First off, somebody said about how spectators, when they're there, should know where to stand and not to stand. Don't agree with that. Mm. If you've got the rope, you can stand outside the rope. I don't think players, and I've been to many tour events, if I've not played the golf course, I don't really know where players are going to be landing the golf course. Th- this is the problem with Twitter, without being disrespectful, because a lot of people use Twitter, a lot of people on there have opinions. Might not know anything know. about golf, it's and you're crazy. engaging with a stupid opinion. Like I don't mean that everyone can have an opinion, but the person that said that might have started golf last week, be not know anything about golf, and say, and they want to have their say because it's Twitter and they can, and then you're getting almost annoyed by their opinion. I, I, no, I almost think that they're the guys who think everybody should know as much about golf as they do. I don't think they're the new people. I think the guys who are well, saying that yeah. are the ones that believe that everybody should, who go to a tour event know where to stand. They don't. Well, maybe that's not the best. But in general, though, everybody can have an opinion on Twitter, can't they? That's the thing. And when you start to it, obviously it's good to engage with your fans or listeners of the podcast or viewers of your channel. But when it's an argument like that where everybody wants to have the say, it's almost like you can't win because 97% of people agreed with you, which you saw on the poll. But the 3% that don't are often the loudest in the room. And they want to say, oh, yeah, but they should know where to stand or it's this, it's that. And it almost riles you up more because it's like they're talking nonsense. Some people do it on purpose to annoy you. Like you said, you're slagging off Americans. That's not nothing to do with what country they're from, but that's what people are going to pick at. Twitter's not always the best place, but it's the good, good news. Go on. Gained 600 followers. Well, there you go. People were saying I was doing it for clout. I wasn't. You get it for six, well, you got 600 followers from it. Yeah. If I'm doing it for 600 followers, I did it for 600 followers. Yeah. <laughs> I just won't mention that time we played You Didn't Shout For. Um, I'm joking. You're very good at shouting for. You've got a very loud for voice. And people have said, like, you don't do it on videos. There's, there's many evidence of videos yeah. we've done it on. Even the latest Ming Wu Lee one that we did at St. Andrews. Like, I wasn't the player hitting the ball, but we all shouted for to the top of our voices because there was two ladies walking the golf course and didn't realise we were playing golf. Like... You've got to shout four. And I even said to my wife, well, if you heard four, what does it mean? It means the ball's coming my way. What would you do? Duck and cover my head. I'm like, brilliant. So even if, 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 if anything, if I lost followers, if, if Bryce Nishambo never wants to talk to me again, if he wants a boxing match, whatever it may be, if, if, that's, if that's what it's taken to educate at least some people, one, the important shouting four, two, what to do when, when a four takes place, I'm happy of annoying some, some people, if we've managed to educate a lot of people. Yep, good. I think you're right. Feel better? Since you said you were tired at the start, you've got your sleeves rolled up, coffee's <laughs> feel, gone. I've got a sweat on. Yeah. I feel like I want to like start a movement. I feel like you don't normally get this. It's normally me that gets annoyed about stuff. It, you know what? It was, I honestly, the thing that annoyed me the most, I honestly genuinely now naively expected to put that tweet out and people go, oh yeah, Rick, completely agree. They should shout for... Like, that's what I expected. They essentially have the 99 99 people have. But it's like, it it was just the craziness of it. I was like, you're actually, come on, this can't be real. Um, So hopefully, yeah, yeah, I I think it should be a thing. I I want it to become a thing. I think every single player has the responsibility shouting for, regardless of whether whether you think it's going to hit someone or not, whatever it may be. If you think there's people in danger, shout for at the top of your voice um, and people, golf will be a safer place. Yep. Okay, let's have a little bit of a break now. Well, not a break. Let's go on to uh, the new segment. So when we had Tubes Nanja the other week, we decided to launch a new section, uh, a new segment, a new section of the show called Stupid Golf Rules. Not shouting for. Yeah, that... that <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> Just wait, leave it now. Wait, please leave it. Um, that's why I was about to have a break. I thought Rick needs five minutes to calm himself down and have a glass of water. I want to talk about John Rahm in a bit, definitely. Yeah, we're going to go on to John Rahm. He deserves a lot more praise. Um... 
But anyway, stupid golf rules. So we had this idea that there's, there's rules. I don't mean necessarily rules on the golf course. Um, more like just rules about golf club or just things that don't really make sense or that annoy you. So we've had loads of good emails in. If you want to send your stupid golf rule or your dear Rick or anything, the podcast email is podcast at rickshields.com. It's amazing how many people message us on social media saying what's the email address. It's really simple. It's podcast at rickshields.com. So send them in. So I've actually got two because there's loads of good ones, Rick. So I'll put a couple down. Um, let's say your thoughts on them as well. So the first one's from Andrew. He said, shout out from Canada. Uh, it's a bit of a double whammy of a story with stupid rules slash etiquette that I encountered on the same round um, about six years ago. So to set the scene, myself and three other guys made a weekend trip to a golf course, which was considered to be quite a nice um, golf venue. It's quite a bit up, more upscale than the course we used to play at. Um, but nothing we couldn't, you know, couldn't handle. The defining feature of the particular course was it designed by none other than John Daly. Nice. Um, now, as you know, Daly himself is quite prone to wearing quirky, um, borderline, ridiculous attire on the golf course. And in fitting with this theme, all the staff, including starters, marshals, and all the pro shop staff, were kitted out in rather kind of bold polka dot or striped pants, etc., or skirts. You know the kind of stuff, the loud yeah. gear. Um, you might guess this is heading, but uh, one of our guys was quite new to the game and hadn't really got any proper golf attire. He had a nice collared shirt on, but the best pants he could find were a pair of black denim jeans. Um, this really irritated the club staff, who rudely protested his pants being jeans and thus not proper, respectful golf attire. Needless to say, we found it ridiculous that, beyond words, that a man in literal clown pants could be in a position to judge anyone else's golf trousers and class it as being. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to health care, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit UH1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. 
and disrespectful to the game. These jeans were black, and from any more than 15 yards away, you could not tell um, they were golf pants. That's the first part of the story. Now, I can get why he's very annoyed. If I'm being super critical on Andrew, if the rules are no jeans and he's gone in jeans, they have got a point. However, if they're walking around in clown pants and you've got a pair of black jeans on, that could be quite infuriating. So first, yeah. what's your take on that first bit? Um, I, I, the only challenge with jeans, and as much as he's there saying the black, you can't really tell by 15 yards, the definition of jean extends much wider than that. Like, where does it stop if the guy next to him goes, well, I've got jeans on, but mine just happened to be blue. Yeah. Okay, well, I've got jeans on, but mine just happened to be... Like proper Ripped. denim. Yeah, yeah, okay. I'm uh, with you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, that's fair. Uh, and I've got jeans on and just happen to be shorts, hot yeah. pants, whatever it may be. So that, that's my only thing there. I'm not saying I agree with it. But um, it's a, a rule that's... Co- yeah, okay. I, I, what de- what defines jeans? Is it? I don't know. Is it denim? So, I don't so know. I used to, when I used to work at Mia, we used to have to keep an eye on this. And apparently what defines jeans is the studs. Oh, yeah. But then do yours even have... Oh. See that on, on like my pocket. Yeah. Apparently that defines a jean. But you can get those on trousers yeah. though. Well, this is what was mad. So a couple of years later, Jay Lindenberg started bringing out trousers or someone like that. And they had these studs yeah. and we were like, well, actually, does that become... So we have to change like the rule or whatever. So on that first point, Andrew, I kind of... I do agree with him, but it's also... Mm, it's a tough one. Anyway, the next point, I can see why this annoyed him. He said, so anyway, we had that bit of discussion with the staff and they, they did let us go out in the end. We got to the first tee um, and this is where the next part of the story comes in. After all that hassle, I went to tee up my golf ball on the second from the last tee box. They must have like a black at the very back or whatever. They went to the next one before that. Only for the starter to run over and proceed to boldly boldly state that my group could not play off this tee because we didn't look like we would hit it that far. Okay, that, that's um, bad. At this point, I was fuming as we hadn't even hit a golf shot and already been through so much idiotic hassle. I proceeded to tell the starter to shove it in a nice Canadian way and channeled my rage into bombing a drive straight down the middle and af- um, straight down the middle and a long and straight one as well. After which I simply stirred at the bewildered course marshal who didn't say a word after that. As you can imagine, this experience soured our round and um, they didn't go back to that venue again. That That's a misjudgment there, isn't it? If he'd have said the white tees are for members or for comps or whatever, you can't use them, fair enough. Or, or if, there's, if there's a... Very clear, obvious, because um, a lot of, of course, in America or Canada or anything else, but from what I've seen, have like, if you want to play off the blacks, you've got to be an ability of scratch yes. or better. Yes. To play off the whites, you've got to be off five or better, whatever it may be. If that was implemented and the, and the starter had a start sheet with the, uh, everyone's handicap on and went, well, actually, you guys are off 20, the tees you've, and, and, and said it nicely, Really sorry, gents. Uh, just just to let you know that the tees you've actually chosen today are for golfers of ten handicap and better. Yeah, you're probably going to enjoy your round better. That's fair. If you played off a tee that would suit you more, so yep. we've got these yellow tees, and the golf course is so much more interesting from there. You'll enjoy it better. Um, I would I would advise if you want to try those tees, you can do. But I would advise maybe playing off the yellows. You, you'd enjoy a lot more. Yeah, um, golf. Okay, I've got one more as well, because I thought that was quite a good one. And I think I do like this kind of feature, because I think there's going to be a lot of variety in different people's uh, experiences. So the next one I've got, it's a bit shorter. This one's from William. Um, if this, if I've read this right the first time I've read it, it is outrageous. I just want to read it, well, I'm going to be out, obviously out loud now. I might have missed something, but from when I read this, this did infuriate me. Uh, my experience of a silly rule slash ban. 
about 12 years ago, I was the junior captain at about 15 years old of my local club and was partnered in a, up in a knockout purse match, which th- runs throughout the year, with a, with a fellow junior who was my friend, okay? We got drawn to play against my dad and his friend in one of the rounds. The deadline for our match being played was running out, which often happens at golf clubs because you've got people who are busy, etc. Yeah. Um, and our, our availability to play was limited. We arranged to play the match on a Thursday evening, okay? Nothing untoward here. Thursday evening happens to be also junior night at the golf club, to which there were approximately 10 junior members at the time. Long story short, we waited until it was clear, played the match, we won, but got disqualified by the committee because we played a men's match on junior night. To make matters worse, following a committee meeting, all four of us, the lad, his mate, his dad and his dad's friend, all got banned from playing golf for four weeks. <laughs> How outrageous is that? Oh, my god! You've got the junior captain playing after the juniors have gone out on a Thursday with his father, who's obviously an adult, and his friend. And they got all four of them got banned for four weeks. Has that annoyed you? I'd, I'd leave the club. 100% would leave the club. I wanted to name the club. I mean, it was 12 years ago now, whatever it was, but oh, still. Still. That's ridiculous, that. That is that is absolutely... A, yeah. So if you've got a story that's... Yeah, I've got nothing to Yeah, say if you've that. got a story that's as, as annoying or as stupid as that, um, please email us because we want to hear some more of these. What I find crazy, and hopefully golf's changed since 12 years ago, like that story, you're paying these facilities now unless you do something that is absolutely unforgivable yeah like if something happens which you know something last week we're not going to mention yeah yeah if something happens where you not by us by the way yeah if, if you do something that seriously breaks the rules if you steal break something you know completely disregard the rules several times, then you deserve to get banned. Then you deserve to get kicked out because you obviously you couldn't do that. If you were paying at a gym, if you were paying money at a gym, you can't do, you can't go swimming in the pool naked because that's not by the rules and you get kicked out. So that's why they quit my membership, (laughs) David Lloyd. But, if you're, pl- oh, I just find it crazy. It's annoying that. Like, isn't it? It's just ridiculous. Uh, just a quick one, Matt. How far in are we? Thirty-six. All oh, right. Okay. I'll tell you what. Then before we get onto the US, we want to talk about the US Open in a bit of depth. But before we do that, I want to give you a dear Rick, and then we've got a nice bit of time towards the end to really go on to the US Open. You happy with that? I also want to talk about Amateur Championship. Okay. Well, well, let's do your dear Rick first then, because this kind of might lead us into. <laughs> I like watched a lot of golf this weekend, so I want to talk about. Okay. It. Well, I've got a dear Rick for you won't. then. Um, obviously, dear Rick's at the moment aren't sponsored, so the person that gets their email read out today, who's called Rob, I don't think I need to leave anonymous. You're not going to get him into any prize. Draws, you're getting nothing but you are rick's friend for life happy with that wow it's quite, it's quite it's quite a commitment <laughs> if you shout four you're definitely his friend for life it's quite a commitment um okay so rob has emailed in and he wants some of your advice rick so if you a listener are familiar with dear rick you know this is the point where rick starts to close his eyes and get really uh, into this he really likes his dear rick so um, let's go <laughs> let's with this one it. so dear rick i'm at a stage in my golf life where i don't know what to do I played to a decent standard as a junior and I was scratched when I was 17 and played county level, so he's a bit of a baller. I stopped playing for the best part of 10 years due to family life, having kids, etc. I started playing again a few years ago and it was like I never stopped. First round back, I shot a couple over and I'm consistently breaking par um, around various different courses. I feel love for the game now that I didn't have when I was younger. I feel there was too much pressure as a kid that's gone now. 
Okay. So that makes perfect sense. He's a junior, he's at county level, you know, it's a lot of pressure. It becomes your whole life now. He's 10 years older, got children, golf's just a hobby. So he feels better when he's playing. My problem is that I feel like I'm being pressured into playing competitions. Everybody I play with tells me how to get a handicap, which I don't, I don't have at the minute, and play some open competitions and see where I'm at. My worry is by doing this, it puts pressure back on me and it could potentially, obviously, have an impact on my enjoyment for this great game. Part of me thinks, why not? I know I can compete with most people and on a good day I can knock it around in six, seven under, but it's stress-free. Uh, even when it's a bad day and I shoot 75, I just don't care at the moment. It's just nice on a Sunday to get away from the missus and the kids. A bad day and he shoots 75. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a, a good golfer. Um, it's a good to say surname because he says it's nice on a Sunday to get away from the wife and the kids for a few hours and just have a laugh. I'm really in two minds what to do. What would you do? I know um, I will enjoy playing competitively again, but when I play bad, I don't want to be breaking clubs anymore, etc. Um Oh, Christ. He then says, if you do listen to the podcast, could you keep me anonymous? I've only said his name's Rob, so there's many Robs who listen to this podcast. So, sorry, Rob, you're not anonymous, but I've not said your surname. Um, I, I like what he's... I'd, I'd stick with what he's doing, okay. personally. From somebody who has had experience of playing in competitions and had, had had my fingers burnt several times and actually no longer enjoy playing in competitions, I think he's in a really nice spot where he can relax, he can play with friends, he can... If he goes and shoots six under, he's happy as Larry. If he shoots seventy five or whatever he shoots, he doesn't have to go home and kick the cat. He can just like he can just chill. Mm. I like I like where he's at at the moment. I understand there's probably a hunger for other people for him to compete. Um, it's a bit like <clears throat> when we James Robinson ex tour pro. We're like, go on, James, give it another shot. But he's quite comfortable. He's happy yeah. with what he's doing, you know. And there's a lot of commitment to try and playing in competitions. He might want to practice more. He might want to suddenly start putting more time and effort in. And he doesn't want to. Rob doesn't want to. He just wants to chill. He wants to get away from the family at the weekend. Bit of bit of Rob time, and I, I respect him for that. You know what? Well, sorry, if you... No, no, I, I, I don't think he should. He, he might. Uh, something we've heard soon that you don't massively have to be a member, and you don't have to play in competitions to get a handicap soon, do you? Either so he could get one. So he could get a handicap if he wished but to. If he doesn't play comps, it's probably pointless anyway. Yeah, but... it might just be a way of him just going. Oh yeah, I'm off scratch yeah. or whatever. It, it almost might appease his friends more that he's playing with that they, they. Oh yeah, he's got a handicap now. We play with Robbie. who plays off <laughs> plus one or plus. It sounds like he might be off plus five or something. You know what? I in a lot of ways I completely agree with what you're saying. And although I'm not obviously at Rob's level, I'm in a similar boat right now where I don't play comps, don't have a handicap, but I just play and enjoy it. And part of me is thinking, should I start playing comps again? The only thing I would say is for me, although I don't play at elite level comps clearly, but when I have done or when I did play in comps, having a good round in a comp versus having a good round with your mates just on a Saturday or a Sunday is different. That buzz you get when you sign your scorecard after 18 holes and you've played in a comp and played well, even if you don't win, is unreal. It's it is for me, it's so much better. I played with you at Burton the other day and it played quite nicely. And I was happy you marked a card, it was all friendly. And I went home, drove home quite chuffed. If that was a comp, I'd have been well more chuffed. However, the downside is if I play bad when I play with you, walk off, get in the car, it's gone. If I was playing a comp with you, that's probably going to annoy me, even though I'm not any good level, till I go to bed that night. Yep. So it's that kind of... I think there's more reward playing comps, but I definitely there's a lot more annoyances and you'll get angry. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Just stay in the middle section with that. I, yeah. I don't I don't think he needs to change it, but the desire might overcome is, is, is kind of 
comfortable position. Yeah. We'll see how it pans out. Let us know, Rob. But um, I, my opinion, I since I've stopped playing in competitions, I felt a lot more kind of chilled about my game. If I was grinding every day, all week, like competitions is the things that, that's the medal round your neck. That's the reward you might need. But if you don't want to do that, that hard work and effort, just chill and play some casual golf. I agree. Um, can we do amateur championship qu- quickly first? Yeah. Right. So amateur championship here in the UK. <clears throat> uh, this is the British amateur championship. It was played at Nairn this this year, which is up in Scotland, very very north. The format is it something along the lines of like a hundred and twenty hundred and twenty odd players playing it or something? It's quite a large field. These it's are a large amateurs field. from typically around the world. This year it's quite different, and I know this because a really good friend of mine played in it. He plays off something like plus four, and he's never been able to get into the amateur championship because typically it's filled with a lot of people from abroad, from different countries, where the handicaps might be different or whatever it may be. There's two reasons why he played in it this year. One, the world handicap system has neutralized that out a little bit, so it's a bit more of a level playing field. And because so many more people weren't actually coming to the um, event from overseas, he managed to get in off plus four, I think he was off. You then do 36 holes to qualify for the knockout stages, where then it's the final 32? No, so just a quick one. It's 288 players getting it. All right, then we can but sorry, it, i Yeah, but it is from all over the world. Um, and then it's two rounds of 18 holes um, over the first two days, and then the 64 lowest go into the um, match play section. Right. Yeah, so it was a little bit off Yeah, but it's the right kind of thing. So... Apparently the golf course was ridiculously hard. The um, the wind and the rain and whatever it was, it was very challenging. Anyway, it came through to the final day. This was Sunday. I was uh, Saturday. I was watching it because it was live streamed on um, YouTube. Eight hours live streamed. That's quite cool. And it was between two players. Now I don't want to savage the name. Let me just bring this up. It was from Laird Shepherd mm-hmm. and Monty. How do we pronounce this surname? I think it's Scousel. Scousel. <clears throat> it was one of the most epic matches I've ever witnessed in all of my life. Okay, mm-hmm. I know you didn't watch loads of, well, you didn't watch any of it, but I want to kind of explain it a little bit. So the final is thirty-six holes. So it's match play, thirty-six holes. So it, it, if you're on a run, it could end quite early. Like it could end midway through the second round if you if you play yeah. well. Because in you theory, might be way it could up. end after nineteen holes. It could. It? In theory. Obviously, it would never do that, but. So the first nine through the match was fairly level playing field. The back nine of the first match, Monty took a massive lead. After 18 holes, he was seven up in the match. Flipping heck. Okay. So Laird was seven down with 18 holes left to play. It's outrageous. Now, what would you be thinking at that point? One, what would you be thinking if you were that Monty? And two, what do you think if you led? You're eating lunch, you're seven up, right? Picture the scene. You're seven up, you're tucking into your butty, right? You're kind of thinking you've got it won, haven't you? Yeah. You are, really. You'd like to think at that level, they've not got that mindset, but they probably have got that mindset, haven't they? Let's be honest. Like You you pretty much think you have won won the match. You you kind of turn up in the the last um, 18, and you're thinking, well, if I just get it through the first nine... I can't see him beating me, yeah. right? On the flip side, if you were led, you're eating your butt, thinking, I don't even want to go back out. Like, do I even, like, what What am I going to do? Because I can't come back from seven down, can I? 18 holes <laughs> left to play in the amateur match play, in the amateur championship, which, by the way, gets you, if you win it, 
Uh, I don't think there's any prize money because obviously it's amateur. If there is, there's not a lot of prize money. But it gets you access into the Open this year, gets you access into the Masters next yeah. year. And the US Open. And the US Open. And you can turn pro now, I believe. You couldn't used to. You used to have to, have to, keep, had to keep your amateur status to play in those events. Which I believe now you can turn pro. Yeah. So if you, if you let's say, let's say the, the winner turns pro as soon as they've won this, they play in the Open, they make the court, they get into top, top 15, they're making some money, yeah. some big money, right? So apparently these two lads are really good friends as well, Laird and Monty, they're both from England, but I know Laird lives in Scotland now. He's at um, Fife University or something like that. I've never seen a more epic final 18 holes in my life. Now, it was close and it got to the last four holes and Laird Shepherd was four down with four to play, right? right? Monty was four up with four holes to play, right? You've got that beat, haven't you? I'd like to think so. Like you, you can't, obviously can't lose. This is where pressure and kind of sheer, whatever it may be, determination. There was a crowd walking around. It was live streaming on YouTube. This is going to be big news. This is where the attitude changed because it's, it was horrible to see, but Monty definitely kind of didn't quite handle the pressure. Laird made some phenomenal golf uh, shots in the, in the final few holes. He birded, I think he birded 17 or whatever it was to, to force the match down the last hole. Monty had a bit of a nightmare on the last hole. Anyway, Laird ended up levelling the match after 36 holes. It was all square. So they go into a playoff, right? On the second hole of the playoff, Laird Shepherd won the match. Mad. Absolutely crazy. I couldn't believe it. I mean, I was just literally watching it. I was flicking through it all day, just going... This is one of the greatest matches I've ever seen in my life. It almost didn't get enough airtime. Even though it was live streaming, that should have been, for me, on Sky Sports News, it should have been all over the news as one of the most epic matches ever in golf. Because it was literally, it had everything. Great shots, kind of not great shots where the pressure hit, recovery, fight back. It could be written into a bloody movie. Mm. No, I, I watched a few clips on YouTube after when you mentioned it, and it did look unbelievable. But I think... Obviously, any elite tournament, there's masses and masses of pressure, clearly. Huge. It's mad. But I think, for me, that is arguably, obviously, bar, you know, the majors and some of the big, huge tour events, it's one of the, must be one of the most pressured golf tournaments in the world because the amateur championship is regarded, that and the US amateur, obviously, as being the, the biggest amateur tournaments in the world, obviously. And, you know, your name goes on that. Tro- I mean, if you look at some of the names on that trophy, um, You've got let me just you've got Man- Manasero. I know he's not quite gone on to, but he, he obviously came off the scene massively after winning it. Jose Maria Olasarbal. Olasarbal. You've got Sergio Garcia. You've got Gary Wolstone won it a couple of times. Tommy, Fe- Tommy um, Fleetwood is he actually got beat in the final at Turnbury. And then the, obviously the most famous winner is um, Bobby Jones. I believe won it as well. Um, it's mad when you look at the actual finals. Like there's a lot of big names got beat in the final, isn't there? In '84, it was Olasarbal versus Monte. Mad. Like Colin Montgomery Monty. <laughs> but what's weird is when you go down the list of the of the it's on Wikipedia, you can look at the um the finals, obviously the champion and the runner up. Some of the names have gone on to be absolute household names. Trevor Mullman lost in the final in ninety seven. But then some of them you've never heard of. Nope. So it's weird, isn't it, how like obviously not guaranteed to go on and be an amazing professional golfer, but equally some of them do go on to be Well a friend massive. of mine who I, when I was at May, his dad won it. Really? Yeah, back in 1980s. And he played in the open and everything. Yeah. Uh, won't, won't bring his name up, but it's like crazy to think like there's so many people that have done so 
kind of well with it. You know, there's, I mean, it's just crazy. Anyway, it was awesome. I, th- I just wanted to shine a bit of light on it. The amateur game is so phenomenal. And, you know, certainly for me, I think after watching it, I am, I can't wait to see what Laird does at um, Royal St. George's because mm-hmm. I believe he's quite, he lives quite close there. That's where he grew up. Because uh, he, he's from Rye. Is that kind of that way? I'm sure it Not is. Sure. I, I want to have a quick look. Because I'm sure he said in his speech after that he, 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 he grows up, he grew up near uh, Royal St. George's. Just have a quick check. Yeah, not far away. Half an hour probably from Royal St. George's. So it'll be really interesting to see him in there. I can't wait to see him in the Masters. And just hope he does well. Like Obviously, it's hard to predict how these guys are going to do. But um, yeah, it was just class. From one golf event to another, mm-hmm. the US Open. Yeah. I know we've covered quite a bit already this podcast. And sorry if you've tuned in not to listen to golf. You're getting a lot of golf today. So-so. The bat nine of Sunday, when I... Proper sat down and started watching it. Was I couldn't believe the the leaderboard. It was outrageous. Who are you rooting for? Honestly, Ram. Really? Yeah. Because of what happened a couple of weeks ago. Because of what happened two weeks ago. Yeah. The fact that he was leading, I can't remember the top, the memorial, by six shots going into the final round. He was guaranteed to win. I say guaranteed. We've just, after talking about the US yeah, amateur, but the amateur championship. Yeah, playing well. He was almost guaranteed to win it. His first win using his new clubs, he's signing a different deal. Um, first win becoming a father, everything. Like it was, his stars were aligned. Mm-hmm. And he's not potentially over the last few years really fulfilled his potential. Has he really? You would have thought he'd won a major by now, but he's, he's quite, he's world number one now. Yeah. He's obviously an unreal golfer. I can't get over when I watch him how much speed he gets from that like almost three quarter swing. I, I've grown to really, really love him. Yeah, and, and honestly, right now, and I know I'm probably a little bit honeymoon period. He's really getting close to one of my favorite golfers really? to watch. Yeah, I just love so much about him. I love his attitude. I love his passion. I love how he gets annoyed, mm-hmm. and it sounds ridiculous, but I, I love seeing that. His golf game is just different level. I want to hit that shot that he hits off the tee, that little peeling fade that starts down the left. How lucky was he when he nearly went out of bounds? Ridiculous. Was it 14 or yeah. something? Ridiculous. Whatever hole it was. And that, that is, in a golf tournament, you do need a bit of luck. Mm-hmm. Where Louis Oosterhuizen, I love Louis. He's such a calm, relaxed, never looks too fade. He's won, obviously, the Open at St. Andrews many years ago. I think it was 10 years ago or so. He's come second so many times in major tournaments. It's outrageous. The difference between Rahm and um, Luis Nehazen in that final six, seven holes is Rahm was looking at attempts for birdies and really, really giving it a go, where Louis was holding phenomenal par puts. Mm. Like he was holding on where Ram was pushing. Those two that Ram hold on 17 and 18, those left to right slippery ones were outrageous. Ridiculous. He got he got lucky stroke, unlucky on 16 because he was way across the green and he hits this putt a little bit too hard mm. and it hits the cup, quite a lot of the cup and stayed out. But if I'm honest, if it would have missed yeah, the cup, well it would have been 6, 10 foot, 12 foot past, right? So he got a little bit unlucky because it could have dropped and it could, but it Again, you need a bit of luck. The putt on 17 was just out of this world. I hate left-to-right putts. I do. Hate them. And he held an amazing one there. And he's done that putt quite a few times on the final few holes. He did it against DJ. He did it to win, I think, the Travelers back in one of his first ever tour wins. He has the ability to hold big putts when it matters. His birdie on 18 
is one of the greatest birdies I've ever seen. And it sounds crazy that because he hit this amazing tee shot down the left side of the fairway in prime position. He had 220 yards left in. I think he pulled a five iron or a six iron, hit this little peely fade. He was very, very, very unlucky. It hit the kind of side of the bunker and spat across the bunker face. So he was on more of a down slope. Three yards left, he's on the green putting for eagle. Weirdly, two yards right, and it lands in the bunker more, he would have had a much easier shot. Yeah. The shot he played from that bunker, under that much pressure, blows my mind. It absolutely blows my mind. Because he, he really thought about it. He had to can't, he couldn't go towards the flag. He had to play out sideways. He had to use the contour. It was one of the greatest shots I've ever seen under that amount of pressure. And then to stand there and hold that putt for Birdie, to set the clubhouse lead, to set the benchmark that Louis had to beat, I was looking at it going... This is, this is, um, and I wasn't that bothered about this tournament. As I mentioned earlier, I wasn't that bothered about the US Open. It just, for whatever reason, went under my radar. In that split moment, I was so glad I was watching history being made. Hopefully, he continues to win many, many more majors. The fact that he walks off the green and got to hug his little boy. He's only got his, he's a few months old yeah. and his wife there. Uh, a really lovely moment on Father's Day. Everything that happened two month, two weeks ago, I was literally crying my eyes out, sat on the sofa on my own at one o'clock in the morning, going, this "Why is- does nobody <laughs> shout for? <laughs> and he shouts for, which I love about him as well. I just love it. I think you know, and and we didn't live in the in the era of Seve. We've, no. we've spoke about this before. You know, when when David Cannon came in a few weeks ago and gave us his lovely book with Seve, we didn't live in that era. But what it means to Spaniards and what it means to Europeans and certainly John Rahm, US Open is a tournament that's, that Seve never won and really wanted to win. Um, it, I just, it, it was literally, talking about the amateur championship being a film, the US Open this year would have comfortably been a film because you, you had your villains, yeah. <laughs> not shouting for, you had your ups, you had your downs. I mean, Louis again on 17, they hit it into the hazard up the left-hand side. Um end up needing to take a penalty drop, um, nearly made par, weirdly, with his second ball, had to eagle the last hole, got really unlucky with a, a bad lie down the side of the fairway on uh, in the rough on the left-hand side, couldn't go for the green in, in two, annoyingly, had to lay up, had to try and hold his pitch. Um, just awesome. I like it. When, obviously, everybody that wins a major deserves to win a major because you, you wouldn't have won it. It's four days of competitive golf with the elite golfers in the world. So you, you can't win a major without deserving to win a major, if that makes sense. I always like it when somebody wins one that I feel like really should have one in a locker. Yeah. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, it's like definitely. when Sergio finally won at the Masters. Yeah. Obviously now with John Rahm. There's been a few players like Molinari in the Open who have been up and around for a long time. Yeah. And you almost think, I don't mean, Rahm's 26, so it was no mad rush, but you almost think, I'm glad they've got one now so they don't become that player that's the, the nearly man. Yeah. You know? And I think now he's got one, there's no reason why he won't go on to win, obviously, loads more. Another quick question for you then, and again, I know I've said this a million times in the podcast, but I don't watch loads at all golf, and I probably should start to watch more. But Rory ended up coming tied seventh, and he finished he's two over for the day, so I think he's one over for the tournament. That must have been one of his best chances in a while, really. It's now been, and it's mad to say, seven years since he last won a major. Is he gonna, uh, The last one was the Open, so literally coming to bang on seven years ago. Again, he's only, what, how old is he? He's, 30, he's 32, so he's a very young man still. Is he going to win another? I must admit, looking at leaderboard last night, I honestly, if if my, my heart wanted John Rahm to win, I was looking at him going, but honestly, I was looking at leaderboard and going, Rory 
surely got the greatest chance of winning this mm. because Rory for me, and there was a stat that weirdly came out this weekend, um, players who have the most under par on the last two days in majors, okay? Yeah. Rory is number one. He's 54 under par in for the weekend of major tournaments. Wow. I can't remember what time frame that is now. How crazy is that? Because what? typically he gets off to a bad Thursday. Yeah. yeah. That's what happens. He didn't this week. He was right up there. And typically, and again, I think Rory's an outrageously good golfer. Not for one minute I may have a question in that. And he will, I think he will win more majors. I really do. And a bit like almost John Rahm, I think he needs to get that one in. And then, and then I know he's already won five, has he? He's won four. Four. I know, he, I know he's already had them, but they almost feel like a different time zone now. Like, think, think of the change in golf in the last yeah. seven years. Who's come onto the scene exactly. and won? Kepka's got four in that time, I Jordan believe. Spieth. Spieth's had a couple Bryson, in that time, a few in Colin that time. Morikawa. It's um, a long time ago, isn't it? I think yeah. seven years ago. Yeah. Now John Rahm as well. Like. You know what What else is mad? So if you look right, so seven years ago, if go on. So Matt Wolf, for example. Oh, come on. That's annoying. There's somebody, when you type in Matt Wolf, there's somebody that's actually a filmmaker that comes up first on Wikipedia. <laughs> One sec. So Matt Wolf is 22. So when Rory last won a major, he'd been 15. How mad's wow. that? That is mental. Like these guys now that are really up there and competing were like literally mid-teenager when Rory last won a major. Madness. It, I, I, yeah, and, and I was watching yesterday and the only thing, and, I, and I'm not jumping onto this, and I don't want this to be a big deal or anything. For me, the difference was there yesterday, John Rahm was holding puts, a lot of people weren't. Mm-hmm. Rory being one of them. Like when, to win when literally John Rahmer stood there and need, he had to hold. Otherwise, if he doesn't hold those puts on 17 or 18, he, he he's third, fourth, he's in yeah. the pack. You've got to hold those puts. And that, that is the big, the big, big difference in that situation. But <clears throat> honestly, from what I thought was not going to be a great tournament, I honestly thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Sunday afternoon with that packed leaderboard. I mean, you look at the leaderboard again, but shout out to... Um, uh, how do you pronounce his surname? The Italian Guido. Yeah, I don't know how you say it. That was class. I was a big fan of that. Yeah, because um, he's he's come top four, uh, tied fourth. The fact you can see Bryson, Colin Marikawa, Xander Shoffley, uh, Paul Casey back up there. Um, Bryson until he's kind of collapsed on the back nine. He shot eight over back nine. <sighs> Sounds like me. <laughs> I'd like to say it's just one of those things, but um, that's what happens if you don't shout four. You get the evil Rick Shields vibes. It is that karma? Possibly. <laughs> have, not... you en- have you enjoyed today's show, Rick? I feel like you've got a lot off your chest. I feel like I need a dear Rick. Dear Rick myself. Yeah, okay. Well, tell you what then. Let's close up there. We've been about an hour. The only... I'd like to do a longer one, but I said last week what these problems I've been with the Apple podcast. Weirdly, the only thing I can find that I have in common is when the longer, when like an hour and 20 minutes long, that seems to be for whatever reason when Apple just can't handle it and, and doesn't spit them out. So let's keep this about an hour today. Okay. So hopefully it'll go on tomorrow and Tuesday on everyone's iPhone and it'll be there ready. Um, we've covered everything. We've covered everything. Great. All we need is more emails of people. So podcast at rickshields.com. If you've got any dear Ricks, you've got any um, stupid golf rules. We need to bring back obviously nightmare golf stories, uh, list of the week. We've got loads to cover next week. Um also, I asked last week, the last time I'm going to ask for a while now, if you've not rated the podcast on Apple, please do. Give us five stars. That'll make Rick feel good. Um, and if you rate it, actually, this isn't a little sensitive. If, if you're right, you're if, turning me into like some sort of like, 
like moody bastard. <laughs> You've been a moody bastard today. I haven't been a moody bastard. You're the one that came in punching walls saying people don't shout for. Um, but if you leave a review, maybe just leave a review, hopefully five stars, and say, I shout for. And that would be nice to know, people yeah. that shout for. Uh, and then last thing, should we maybe have the jingle playing for a little minute at the end now so people can just get used to the new jingle and, and sit back, see if you like it. This, this ain't going anywhere, so I'll get used to it. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. That was episode number 81. Done. You moody bastard. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.